Thank you for joining us for Seton Reflections, a podcast brought to you by the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Emmonsburg, Maryland. You can read these reflections at setonshrine.org or subscribe to these weekly emails and get them sent directly to your inbox. This week, our episode is called St. Leah and Mother Seton, Souls Which Have Trampled Satan Underfoot, and is written by Christina O'Brien. Remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things, but now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. Luke chapter 16, verse 25. This line in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus never ceases to sober me in my tendencies to compare my own circumstances to those of others. It awakens me to the reality of an insidious, hidden resentment I tend to harbor against the Lord. That others, from my point of view, receive the good things of the world that they ask for, while I falsely perceive that I do not. Regardless of the degree of accuracy of this perception, like the psalmist in Psalm 73, I find understanding the seemingly unfair and almost random disparity of fortune a wearisome task, until I contemplate it in the light of eternity. The life of St. Leah, documented by St. Jerome in his letter to their mutual friend Marcella, indicates the same sobering reality, that the comforts of this world are at a best meaningless, and at worst detrimental at the moment of death. St. Jerome reflects on his and Marcella's reception of the news of Leah's death as they were studying Psalm 73, in which the psalmist meditates on the good fortunes of sinners, acknowledging his envy of the wicked who enjoy prosperity, concluding that my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Jerome's portrait of Leah is that of a woman who embodied this belief. Perhaps the death of her husband, who left her with great wealth and comforts, led her to confront her own mortality. After his death, rather than retiring in comfort as the mistress of many, she had so complete a conversion that she abandoned her inheritance and entered a religious community in which she consecrated herself to Christ for the rest of her life. Jerome says that the more Leah renounced her identity as an earthly mistress, the more she humbly entered into her mission as a servant of Christ. She eventually became the head of the Monastery of Religious Women, in which she showed herself a true mother to the virgins, leading them even more by example than by precept. She led a life of humble austerity, wearing a coarse sackcloth instead of a soft raiment, and spent sleepless nights in prayer. Jerome recalls her detachment from the things of the world. She was careless of her dress, neglected her hair, and ate only the coarsest food. He notes that she, who once ran a Roman household, avoided ostentation that she might have not that she might not have her reward in this world. Jerome does Leah the honor of comparing her to Lazarus in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, even though she too knew that knew what it was to have the good things on earth. She contrasts her to a Roman official who had also died around the same time as Leah, who Jerome regards as one of the arrogant whose reward was in this life and who was likely to spend eternity in lying in torment like the rich man in the parable. 
The parable flips the paradigm of good fortune so that the one who suffers in this life, like Leah, whether through providence or mortification, is truly blessed, as she is disposed to recognize the insignificance of worldly pleasures. St. Elizabeth Ann Seton embodied the same principle. Though her suffering came from circumstances, at least at first, having been left impoverished after her husband's death. Mother Seton once asked God in prayer to view this sad and tear-worn cheek, this anguished heart, that feeble, tottering frame. She asked, When shall I join thy blessed, showing a steadfast hope in heaven? Her suffering through the sorrow of an ill and then dead husband and the struggle of being a 19th century impoverished widow animated her soul, driving her to long for God and eternity. We may do the same with our sufferings, ill fortunes, and seemingly unanswered prayers. We, with Mother Seton, may acknowledge that we ought to receive our crosses without looking at what they are made of, but instead realize that eternal life is hidden under the acceptance of these very sufferings. Jerome asserts in reference to Leah that all must hail with joy the release of a soul who has trampled Satan underfoot and won for itself at last a crown of tranquility. Through their love for the Lord and apathy toward worldly affections, Mother Seton and Jerome received the same heavenly reward. Truly, though, we must believe that it is the Lord's will that we too receive him as our portion forever when our flesh inevitably fails and our bodies lie in the grave. It is tempting for me, like the psalmist, to be envious of the arrogant when I see the apparent prosperity of others. I must renounce with fervor the tendency to resent the Lord out of a hidden preference to receive from him comforts of the flesh instead of himself. I must accept gratefully my joys, but especially my sufferings, which allow me to see the vanities of this world for what they are and set my eyes on my eternal goal. Most importantly, I must accept with passion the gift of the Lord himself in the present moment. May we, on the Feast of St. Leah, embrace our crosses, desiring nothing on earth besides our Lord. May the Lord in his mercy allow us, like Lazarus, Leah, Jerome, and Mother Seton, to rest eternally in the bosom of Abraham, having received the crown of tranquility our Heavenly Father desires to give.